the latest on the world game. This is the 442 Insider, brought to you by Sony and Sony Ericsson, the only official technology providers of the 2010 FIFA World Cup. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson. Joining me is editor Trevor Trahan. Hello. Well, it's just the two of us again, mate. Just the two of us. We really are going to have to find someone now, Hansford's gone. We'll have to get a third third string to our bow. Maybe we'll run a competition, people to come maybe in. Maybe run a competition the... so I can come in and be guest. Hmm. They can, maybe they can record a little bit, send it in to us, and the best, you know, recording it. That's I like it. it. I think we've just launched that competition. There we go. There we go. Um, little thing called the World Cup still going on. Um, Quarter final review. Probably not worth going through it game by game, but we'll probably pick out some of the, the, the key moments. Obviously, the thumping of Argentina by Germany was probably the the biggest talking point. Yeah. Um, so what did you make of that? Um, I, I thought afterwards, I'm not surprised that Germany had scored four goals. I thought it was more impressive stopping Argentina's score. Yeah. I, you know, I fancy they were going to just go blow for blow, especially when Germany scored early on. But, you know, they really neutralised Messi. And, and I suppose he's the talking point, isn't he? Because well, when you look back on great players, to be really one of the greats that you talk about in you know 50 60 years time you have to have a big world cup yeah and he didn't you know he played well you know he wasn't playing quite as attacker as he does for barcelona but you know for the best player in the world who plays up front to not score during what five games you know it, it wasn't really the performance we were hoping for and against germany he just seemed to be picking the ball up deeper and deeper and deeper and not being able to beat five men it's you know, a sign like, of desperation you beat when one those players and maybe two in. but then you're not going to beat three or four germans no um but he's not on his own is he i mean you look at messi ronaldo rooney ribery you know arguably four of the best players in the world there would we'll all be sat at home now going what happened yeah <laughs> yeah nice no, this it's a surprise, and, and I, I suppose a lot of p- people have talked about the refereeing and the ball and the Vuvuzela, but I suppose one of the other you know, slight disappointments from the World Cup is that those big stars didn't turn up, because that's what you're waiting for, isn't it, every four years for someone to make an impact. I'm not surprised that Ronaldo didn't have a big World Cup, because he's not been playing well for Portugal for ages, but I expected a lot more from Rooney, and you know, perhaps some goals from Messi. Yeah. Um, another couple of major talking points was, uh, was the ending of the... Uruguay-Ghana game with Suarez's deliberate beach volleyball slap. Double hand, wasn't it? You rarely see <laughs> the double hand. I think the fellow in front of him actually got a touch as well. <laughs> um, and obviously Ghana missing the subsequent penalty. Uh, Asamoah and Gian, who'd had a great tournament and had pretty much carried them from a, from a forward perspective anyway. Smacked the ball against the bar when probably the whole of Africa wanted it to go in. But yeah. then... St- Stepped up and took the first penalty in the penalty shootout, put it in the top corner. Yeah, and I just thought, like, fair play on him for yeah. doing that, for having the balls to do that. But then that must just haunt you even more because you must just think, why can I have done that two minutes ago? Oh, and we'd, we'd be through, we'd be in the semi final. Quite funny was watching Suarez um, take his penalty, so watching, you know, Ghana take their penalty because obviously he was walking off. Yeah, he was in the tunnel. And, and he, he? As he turned around the tunnel and he was celebrating as he was running down, like, you know, his World Cup was over. He must have known that. Um, what do I think of that? Well, you know, I suppose strictly speaking, it was within the rules of the game because he got punished in a way that you get punished for penalties. You well, get, exactly. You, you know, get sent I mean, off and you get a penalty. He's taken one for the team. He's sacrificed himself for the team, knowing that he's going to miss the semi final yeah. to get to it. Um, it's 
it is in the laws of the game. He was punished within the laws of the game. He was sent off. There was a penalty. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly not... It, is it cheating or is it not? No, it's, it's not cheating. And that cheating is only sort of like breaking the rules and getting away with it. He didn't yeah. get away with it. They were punished. And, and, and in that respect, it's no different to bringing someone down when they're clean through. Yeah. Could he, um, I thought so, could he have not tried to head at that ball? Well, yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> that's the obvious thing to me. <laughs> was like, why didn't he just head it? But I suppose in the heat of the moment, you know that it's the last, last knockings and yeah. you do what you do but, um, I, I reckon he, that was slightly premeditated even if it wasn't on that day but I reckon at some point in his life again he thought you know what I better, you know, would I handball it in that situation well he says that he plays in goal in training doesn't he so right. that he came in handy um, mm. alright and the other one was obviously Brazil's sort of spectacular demise against the Netherlands when for until the Netherlands equalised Brazil looked pretty much in control of this game and uh but then just lost it. It was almost like they were the big kid in the playground who's mm. been bullying people for all year and then someone finally stands up to him and they burst out crying and run off. A little bit of complacency, I think. Yeah, you know, yeah I think that, that crept in. And um, They were talking in the commentary of the game, the worst thing you can do against Brazil is score against them first. Um, you know, it's, it's like kicking a hornet's nest and they'll come right at you. But I didn't see that. When they went behind, they just went to pieces. It was like Yeah, they, they didn't have much oomph, did they, really? They had 25 it? minutes from when Schneider scored that second goal. They had 25 minutes to find an equaliser. And I, I guarantee that they spent half of that moaning or rolling around on the floor. Yeah. I'd add. Yeah. Uh, I know you were impressed with Kaka over in South Africa, but I think you could add him to that list of players yeah, that no, have performed no, today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was, I was just really surprised at Brazil. I was, I was, I, I thought it was going to set up for a fantastic last twenty-five minutes of that game, and Brazil was just really disappointing. They just, um, they just seemed to lose their discipline. It was almost like they didn't believe they could win the game, and it was, that was just yeah. really odd for for a Brazil team. A tough landing back home as well for the Brazil team, wasn't it? <laughs> Booed and jeered and oh, pushed, yeah, pushed at the airport. <laughs> Really? Yes. Oh, and, and surprisingly, Argentina were not. Argentina got a, a hero's welcome yeah. back in uh, back in Buenos Aires, which was surprising, given the manner in which they went out. But um, but yeah, okay. So that that obviously set up the semi-finals, which uh, have happened over the last two mornings. Um, Uruguay two, Netherlands three. Mm. Not the classic it looks at in the history books. No. You know, two it wasn't, cracking a, it goals. Wasn't a close three-two. Yeah. No, it was a classic goal. Although I, I must admit, for the for the four lands. I was looking at the Dutch keeper saying, why don't you just stand up and catch it? Yeah. He seemed to, like, move to the right, dive backwards, try this ridiculous palm behind the back of his head. He was yeah. like, mate, just stand up and catch it. What do you yeah. reckon he would have blamed that on? Oh, ball. Of course he would. <laughs> Anything that happened the ball. I was thinking about the, you know, the Netherlands goals because, you know, Schneider got a big slice of luck for his, didn't he? And they've probably had four goals in this World Cup that were fairly fortunate. I mean, the, their first goal in this Cup was about as fortunate as you see the Denmark own goal yeah, where it headed yeah, one way yeah. then went off another guy. And then, you know, the Japan goal where it sort of swerved in the air a little bit and the keeper missed it. Then, you know, they had the goal against Brazil where the keeper come and missed it. it and then they had this one. It would certainly be one of the scratchier golden boots if Schneider was to win it. I mean, how he's been awarded with the first goal against Brazil, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like the keeper. Oh, he did. He's been awarded with it. Yeah, for the own goal for that came off. I mean, the it was a blatant own goal as well, it, wasn't it? He, he played a free kick in. Yeah, and the, the Brazilian defender keeper connived to to get it in the back of the net, and Snyder's been credited with it. That's why he's on five goals. 
Yeah, most of his goals have been like, it wasn't really fair to... And it's just, I mean, it was a fantastic strike from Van Bronckhurst, but clearly, you know, everybody's been ballooning the Jabalani over from 25 yards, and he's come up with the, the solution, which is to shoot from 45 yards yeah. with the Jabalani. Well, I mean, you couldn't have placed it any better. I, I don't think you can really blame the keeper for that one. I well, mean, he got a touch on it, didn't he? He probably got as get... close to it as he, <coughs> he could have. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know... Very un-Netherlands-like performance, as in they haven't really spanked anyone yet. They haven't really played their best football yet, but they've found a way to win, which I guess, you know, from a from a, a supporter's perspective, they'll take that. You yeah. know, um, like but, I said, I think that they're, you know, no disrespect to them, but I think they've had their, their slices of love. Really? Yeah, and I think it's about to run out. All right, we'll preview the final later. But uh, this morning, early on this morning... Uh, so G- Germany and Spain um, go at it. it. I mean, from from a purist perspective, I thought it was a fantastic game of football. Um, wasn't high scoring, and, and the longer it went on, the more you knew it was going to be one goal. Um, and that goal came in the second half from the head of Carlos Puyol, oh, which no. I was especially happy about because I backed a headed goal to be the first goal at four and a half. Really? Yeah, when Puyol headed over in the first fifteen minutes. But with arguably an easier chance. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, no, that was it. That was the one. And then, well, not he, a uh, bad bet with like closer up there as well. And well you know, that's what I thought. That's that what I thought. Um, do you know what I think of when that Poyol goes? I could only think of that big castrol beast. Remember that mannequin they did with Poyol's head? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I mean. The ultimate footballer. The ultimate footballer, yeah. Yeah, he's got a head like a seaman's <laughs> duffel bag of it. Um, but yeah, it was there. But though, you know, you've got to say he's one of those players that that is there every game. You know, last ditch tackles, brilliant. So it was nice to. I felt it was nice to, for someone like that to to get the winning goal and to put the side through. And and you know, it's not the pretty boys up front. You know, it's the yeah. uh, it was the old sort of warhorse at the back that's put them through into the final. It, it, Spain have got this incre- incredible talent of making good sides look awful. And you know, the reason is because they've got the ball for sixty percent of the time. So already you've got you know ten to fifteen percent less of possession. And less of a chance of doing anything with because that, you know, it, they made them look like Germany just didn't turn up today, and that's probably true to a certain extent. But I don't think Germany was as, uh, as bad as perhaps you know it first appears. It's just that Spain have the ball for such long periods. Yeah. I mean, I thought that when I really thought Spain were going to win this World Cup was their friendly against France. I mentioned it previously in Paris, and you know, Henri said after he just said you can't get the ball off them. He says it doesn't matter yeah. what your plans are if you haven't got the ball, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, I didn't think the Germans were that bad. I thought no. the Germans played well. I thought they did what they could, and when they got the ball, you know, they did threaten. Um, but I think the, I, probably the only thing that I would say about Spain is that the, the t- there's a tendency to rely on that and to sit back at one nil. And I think mm. that with the luck of the Dutch, <laughs> that might come back and haunt them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was watching it this morning and just going through my head, just like thinking out from both an English and an Australian perspective was like, God, we are light years behind these two. Yeah. You know, we are just so far away from playing the football that these guys play. Yeah. Yeah, just the confidence on the ball, the movement, Mm. the the first touch, you know, it was just, you know, just like a different level of football. Yeah. And and nice to see Yogi Love, um, you know, (laughs) Desperately disappointed. We're not going to see his uh, his knitwear in the final. Oh, but, no, yeah. but very magnanimous. Said that they were, they were just by far the better team and were playing football that was out of this world. And he seems like a good guy, doesn't he? That low. Um, yeah. Well, I was Spain at one point. I think it might have been the first half. It's a chance. Might have been that Puyol header, and they went to the Spain bench for 
obviously, you know, gasping at how close they were, and you looked at the standard of players on that bench, oh, no. and you think pretty much any of them would get into any other team, and that's yeah. when you start thinking... Maybe Fabregas, Torres, yeah. on the bench, you know, so... But yeah, so uh, that tees up, you know, a good final, all European final. When for so long it looked like the South Americans were going to dominate. Yep. Um, all four of them that made it to the quarterfinals, on uh, a Uruguay made it to the semis, and, and they departed. So we've got third place playoff to look forward to first, and then obviously the the showpiece on Monday morning our time. So that's it for part one. We'll be back for part two. Have a look at what's making news on our website au.442.com. In 1982, it was one little hand. In 66, a thin white line. One small man mesmerised the nation again in 86. Four years ago, a single tiny whistle pierced Aussie hearts. It only takes a touch. A fingertip between glory and defeat. With YouTube, tweet and SMS at the four customizable corners of your touchscreen, you'll have all the action at your fingertips with the Sony Ericsson Xperia X10 Mini. The world's biggest games. The world's smallest Android phone. The Xperia X10 Mini. Only from Sony Ericsson. It's time. Time to catch up with my world. Time to catch the final score. Time to read my team's tweets to see who's in. Time to see your social universe from one screen with Timescape only on the new Xperia X10 from Sony Ericsson This is the 442 Insider brought to you by Sony and Sony Ericsson the only official technology providers of the 2010 FIFA World Cup Hello, welcome back to the 442 Insider Podcast. In part two, we're going to look at some of the news headlines this week on our website, au.442.com. Trevor, we're going to kick off with, uh, again, something that's a little bit ugly on the uh, on the World Cup bid front. Um, the Age ran a story uh, last weekend, I think it was, regarding, well, actually ran a series of articles uh, relating and uh, making some pretty serious accusations as to the integrity of the... The FFA's World Cup bid, uh, accusing them of um, keeping dual accounts and exposing the amount of money that has been paid to um, to external consultants like Peter Hargitay, um, and also that the uh, that the FFA made uh, gifts. No, we're not going to make the obvious lowbrow gag about Ben Buckley giving FIFA wives pearl necklaces. <laughs> we wouldn't do that. We're not going to go there. It's not that sort of show. But. So there's some pretty serious uh, allegations there. Obviously, does anyone know favours? First thing is, do we want the World Cup or not? Yeah. Um, and the FFA have fired back, and they're actually going to sue the age, which is uh, which is not a great look when you've got one of your leading newspaper uh, newspaper groups being sued by the FFA. There's all subplots as well. The age is a sponsor of Melbourne Victory. Where does that leave that? Um, but Trev, what's your sort of thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean... When you hear it's the age, you think that they must have good sources on this. They're not just going to throw it out because you know they know the drill on this. Um, so it's a, it's a real surprise to see them, you know, take this risk, and it looks like it's going to backfire. And I think the readers' comments in that story were quite interesting because I, I think a, you know a lot of our readers and a lot of football people in this country are sort of sick with you know the anti-football approach, and I think yeah. they saw it as you know 
I'm Australian, if I, if I can take that phrase, that we've got this chance to bring something that's going to benefit everyone and we're still trying to derail it. It's a bit like what they do in England. Yeah. What they do in England, isn't it? They, you know, build up the team and then pull them back down and just do exactly... Just the and the text messages. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just do exactly the same with, with the bid. And it's so close now, isn't it? You know, 1st of December, it's come round so quick that, yeah, it, it'd be pretty disappointing. But you have to feel that... You know, or hope certainly that the FFA bid is is clean. Yeah. Well, the Australian government have have come out very quickly and um, and said that there's, you know, as far as they're concerned, there's no case to answer because that was part of the ages uh, accusations as well was that the, go- that the government was in the dark as to where the money's been used. The government have come out very quickly and said that's not the case. Um, they've given the FFA a clean bill of health over its reporting. Um, and, in, and in, you know, indeed, you know, they said that it's totally defamatory what the age have done. So, um, so we'll follow that as it progresses. FIFA, um, you know, obviously, you know, this made news all over the world. You know, I saw this, the Guardian running a story on it. Um, so obviously, it's 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 firmly in FIFA's attention. They've they promised that they will look into it as well. I just can't believe that the FA would be that stupid. You certainly hope that they wouldn't be. That they've, you know, I think we all know that there's an element of sort of greasing of palms and, yeah. you know, gifts here and there, and, and that's all part of it. But that that's not unique to football. That goes on with the Olympics. It goes on with with any of these major sporting events. So, but I just hope that they and you trust that they've uh, they've played it by the book, and neither and FIFA will, like our own government, um, find that the FFA have, have done everything by the book. So, um, but we'll certainly be following that as uh, as it unfolds. Um, Tim Cale, back in town for Everton, taking on Sydney FC this weekend. Been in the media, been doing a lot of stuff. Um, all over the place, it seems. Optus. I met him EA two days Sports. in a row. Yeah, you did, didn't you? Yeah. Sick of the sight of me, I think. What did he say the second time? Uh, I just asked the same the questions. <laughs> I didn't have time to it anymore. Um... Yeah, you know, he gets around, doesn't he, when he's over, because so, time's so precious. But, you know, this news story's come up about committing to, to the Asian Cup, and I asked him about it, um, and he avoided it, really. Just turned and said, no, I'm, I'm thinking about Everton right now. Um, you know, but Moyes is coming out and saying that, you know, FIFA is saying he has to go, he has to go. Look, what is the rule from FIFA, then? I'm not sure. I think it is a, it's got to be a FIFA tournament. Yeah. It can't not be. It's, it's got to be like even having it otherwise. Yeah, but... You know, I guess I, I think a lot of it will depend on the situation Everton are in come January, mm. um, or injuries. You know, you know they're yeah, fun. if they're fighting for for a Champions League spot or really? the other end <laughs> yeah. of the spectrum, then I think it'll certainly be under pressure um, to not to come. But I guess if they're sort of mid-table, you know, then then maybe he'll look at it and say, look, I want to go and try and win something with my country. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it'll be a tough one, and, and not just for Cahill, you know, for the likes of Lucas Neal as well, Harry Kuehl, all of those guys. I think will have a big decision to make. Um, I think for a lot of them, it's it's the last last chance, isn't it? I mean, Cahill, you know, might fe- feature in Brazil, but in terms of actually winning something, it's their only chance. Yeah. But you know, getting together, it's. I think it'll, the idea is that players like Schwarzer will stay on for it and then retire after. But again, you know, if Schwarzer goes to Arsenal. Yeah, you know, is what's is he going to be? Yeah. Would he look at? Do you know what? We're in the knockout stages of the Champions League, and yeah. I'm not going to risk losing my place to go and play in Qatar in front mm. of no one at the Asian Cup. Well, yeah. we're doing. We're putting together like the you know Australia World Cup in review for the magazine. I've been speaking to you know Les Murray, Murray and Don Aloisi and stuff. And the point they're making, I tend to agree with it, is that we need to start blooding the players yeah. now. Oh, okay. So even if we don't win the Asian Cup. But we give a whole new set of players some caps, 
then that you know that's probably better. Yeah, we would have a better chance of winning it if we had you know Kuehl and Kale and Neil and all the rest of it. But you know maybe we shouldn't want them. You know maybe we should be concentrating on getting you know the other guys over. Yeah. Um, so sort of indirectly linked to Cahill, someone that he uh, he calls his little brother. Apparently, um, he's always around his house. He was saying yesterday. Yeah, no, no. Hanging I remember around. five years ago hmm. when Cahill was announced as the Weetbix kid. Right. Yeah. That this lad Terry Antonis, who was eleven at the time, was like doing ball juggling in a hmm. in a reception area and was on the link up with him and that. So yeah, they've been a. They've been mates for a while, um, and Terry Antonis, who's long been touted as uh, as one of Sydney, uh, Sydney and Australia's um, sort of shining lights in terms of uh, promising players for the future, has just signed a three-year deal with Sydney FC. So great, good to him. Good luck for him at 16, and he's potentially, according to uh, Levitska, may well even take the field against. Uh, his his best mate on uh, on Saturday evening at the uh, at ANZ. Yeah, I think it, he's likely to feature, isn't he, this season? From, yeah, from the no, sounds I think of, so. from, from the sounds of how good he is. Um, but we talk about where we want our players to be at, at this age. But I mean, is it, is it FIFA rules that he can't leave till he's eighteen? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I I know that's the FIFA rules. There's no way around it. So it's great that he's going to Sydney, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but speaking more generally, I'd, I'd still rather see him go overseas. I'd rather see him do two years training in Europe than I would two years playing in the A League. Not meaning to sound like Pim all of a sudden, but yeah, I think, but that's I think, probably I think if he gets game time at 16, 17 in the A League, then I think that's different, you know. I think, but if he's Maybe. just playing in the youth league and he's not getting a chance, but I, I, like you say, I mean, all the all the early indications are is that Sydney, you know, this he's not a, a youth team signing; he is a Sydney FC squad signing. So yeah. be, we'll, we'll see um, how it goes. And obviously, the A League's pretty hot on our heels now. It's like fifth of August, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Pim may have left one Dutchman out another one in uh, Adelaide United have announced Dutchman Rini Koolen will be the, <laughs> the club's new head coach on a two year deal um, don't really know an awful lot about him a former FC20 coach um, so you know he's, he's obviously coached at a decent standard in uh, in Holland um, he's under, he's worked with uh, the likes of Hiddink Hulier, Rijkaard and Hinton Kate at uh, you know, in, in, to, in more like a sort of understudy role. Um, so hopefully he'll bring some good ideas, as we saw with uh, with Levitska. You know, Levitska hadn't necessarily managed at the highest level, but came with his own ideas, his own level of professionalism, which which paid off massive dividends for Sydney last year. Yeah. Can, you see, can you see him doing the same, Trev? Um I think I think we are going to head towards a disaster of one of these foreign managers soon, <coughs> because I think when Levitska did well, and especially with all the the Dutch connection that you know that's pretty much going to be the thing that gets you over the line in the end but I mean that's it there's not exactly a mass of great Australian coaches hanging around so there's nothing wrong with giving this guy a chance I don't know enough about him to predict if he's going to do well um, it's just going to be if he can adapt to what the A-League going to be like quick enough but he hasn't got a huge amount of time to get things together but yeah I don't know it's, I think it's way way too early to say yeah well it looks like he just picked uh Incumbent assistant, sort of Phil Stubbins, and he's gone to great lengths to say that, um, you know, he's very much a sort of, you know, works by, you know, sort of committee, and Phil has a big role in the club still to play. So I know Vidmar uh, rated Stubbins yeah, quite highly. No, really, really no, very, him. very highly rated. You know, so I suppose if he stays involved and it doesn't work out with Cool, and then they've got a ready-made yeah. sort of succession plan there. Well, they've certainly got a decent squad, uh, probably underperformed last season. So. Yeah, I, I think Stubbins being there. 
is interesting because that's what Mourinho always does. When he goes to clubs, he doesn't have all his own assistant. You know, he'll always like uh, Steve, Steve Clark, Clark at yeah. Chelsea, and he'll do the same at um, Real Madrid. He always keeps someone on the inside with him, which I think you know is a really good idea. Yeah, and the final one: like, one man and his dog has attacked the Jabalani, and now it's Craig Johnson's turn. He sent a twelve-page letter, which I've just read to. Um, to FIFA president Sepp Blatter criticising the, the ball um, you know sending like letters of complaint is a real sign of your age isn't it it's like Abe Simpson on the Simpsons <laughs> you know complaining to TV channels over and over again what are the chances of this letter getting you know read and anything happening about it uh, it's an open letter as well so it's like I'll write you a letter for me to get publicity <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like it's um, not that Craig's really got an axe to grind with Adidas or anything, but um, no, no, he's yeah. he's not bothered about them. Uh, so yeah, so that, that's you've uh, read it though, haven't you? You've I read have read it. Top. Yeah, you know, it just sort of says there's a load of quotes from the players that all think it's crap. Um, you know, he talks about the fact that you know it's got away from the traditional uh, football design, the traditional panels, and that's obviously causing problems. There's no real solution. I suppose the solution, his solution, by de facto, is to go back to the old style ball yeah um, did you hear he's writing on SBS was, I think it was just as long as that top yeah. he really went on he's really upset about it yeah, yeah. Um, I think we all you know we've all seen that the ball's not, not perfect I mean interestingly Seth Blatter on SBS in probably one of the most scripted interviews I've ever ever seen last night <laughs> it was it was ridiculous it was like no real questions it was like you tee that one up for me, Les, and I'll whack it out of the ballpark. It was like, and just constantly referred to as Mr. President. Oh, like, he's not, it's a, not Obama, uh, is he? Um, but anyway, uh, Sepp said that the uh, the ball was perfect. Yep. There was nothing wrong with it. Um, it was players, and it was altitude. Those pesky players. The, th- the thing is about calling the ball perfect is that, scientifically, it is. It is perfect. But that's not the debate, though, is it? We're not saying that, you know... It's a faulty ball, so to speak. They're saying that they've changed it so much that the players that have grown up playing in a certain way can't use it. That's that's the discussion. Yeah. But also, I think, you know, it is the, the teams that have moaned the most about it are out. Yeah. You yeah. Know, the, the Spanish, you know, okay, Casillas had a little rumble about it at the start, but didn't seem to mind it too much when he saved the penalty. Um, you know, and I, I don't, I've not seen any of the Spanish players moaning about it. At all. No. Um, none of the Germans moan about it, and I haven't really seen any of the Dutch moaning about it. I don't it, think the so. Spanish hit it for, far enough for it to do anything, <laughs> yeah. does it? It's just a series of 10-yard passes on the floor. Uh, okay, so that's, uh, that's our wrap-up of the news from our website, au.442.com. Uh, we'll be back for Section 3, where Trev catches up. First of a, a series of A-League interviews we're going to be having over the next few weeks leading into the new season. It's a well-researched one, this one as well. We're asking about playing Tim Cahill in the Everton game and he says oh Cahill's not playing in that game and I go oh okay then <laughs> so yeah so, so it's going to be a riveting Trevor's riveted investigative <laughs> journalism next <laughs> as he interviews Brisbane Rules Matt Mackay join us after this it's about time time to catch up with my world and everyone in it time to salute Saturday night's party heroes and party zeros time to check if Chris needs a keeper for tomorrow's game time to see what the coach has planned for Sunday and who's going to be there it's all about not wasting one drop of precious time time to stay in control see your entire social universe from a single screen with Timescape only on the new Xperia X10 from Sony Ericsson 
In 74, we barely made a splash. Beaten by a dive in 06. All the action. YouTube. Tweet and SMS at the four customizable corners of the world's smallest Android phone. The Xperia X10 Mini from Sony Ericsson. This is the 442 Insider, brought to you by Sony and Sony Ericsson, the only official technology providers of the 2010 FIFA World Cup. Hello and welcome back to the 442 Insider podcast, and this week we're joined by Brisbane Roar captain Matt Mackay. How are you doing, Matt? Very well, thank you. Excellent. Um, so you're back in the paddock doing some gruelling pre-season work. How's that been going? Yeah, it's been a very long pre-season. Um, we've been for over eight weeks now, and it's, uh, yeah, it's been great. Um, everyone's been working hard and, and we've played a lot of um, practice games and, you know, fine-tuning. Um, you know, it's a very new squad, so fine-tuning everything for the new season. Sure. It's been your first pre-season under Coach Ange. What's that been like and how has it been different to, to previous Raw pre-seasons? Uh, very different. We've, we've done, um, you know, less weights and, and, and the such and, and more... Um, more ball work, a lot of ball work, which has been, uh, you know, it's been good and, and getting the combinations together, which has been working well. Mm. There's a few new faces in camp too. Tell us how they've been faring. Yeah, um, yeah, a lot of new faces. So it's been, um, uh, yeah, it's been great. Uh, everyone's fitted in really well. Um, obviously, we've got the new German import, uh, Thomas and, and um, you know, Eric, Rocky, um, don't want to miss anyone, uh, Costa. Um, and then a whole lot of you know local boys as well. So it's, it's been great. Um, you know, very tight knit already, and it's really good signs for the start of the season. After losing star striker Sergio Van Dijk, do you think the Roar are looking a little light up front? Can we expect to see another striker recruited before the season starts? I think I think they've got one spot left, and it'll probably be for a striker. So uh, I'll be interested to see what that um, you know how that unfolds. Um, yeah, we've got Reynaldo and Henrique, and they've been extremely good in pre-season as well. So we obviously need everyone to have a, a really you know, bumper year to, to make that top six and, and um, obviously improve on our finish from last season. Yeah, a key player who's spent several months on the touchline with knee reconstructions is uh, Shane Stefanutu, but he's back in action now. How's he been looking? Uh, very good. He, he played his first game uh, um, against the Brisbane Stational last night, and he's, um, yeah, he's been working very hard. And he's been, you know, you know, Steffo, he's um, itching to get back and, and play some football because he hates being out. So he's very experienced, um, you know, been, been overseas and come back. And, you know, it's devastating to that knee injury. But he's a very fit guy and he's going to be very good for us this season on the left side. Yeah, in, in terms of pre-season friendlies, you've already taken on new franchise Melbourne Heart and won 2 nil. You grabbed a goal yourself. Tell us what that game told us about the season ahead. Um, yeah, we've played a lot of preseason games. Melbourne was our first A-League one, um, and you know, obviously they weren't full strength, but you know, we've been playing some good football. Um, we're going to be a very mobile side, and and uh, I think that's the, the most important thing. If we can keep teams moving, uh, I think that that'll be one of our strengths. Mm, part of your preparation will include a friendly against the Premier League's Everton um, on July seventeenth. Are you looking forward to that one? Yeah, very much so. It's going to be great. Um, you know, so we had Celtic last year and. And Palmeiras, you know, the year before that. So uh, to have uh, an EPL side of that calibre come out is extremely uh, rewarding. Um, you know, not only for us but also for the fans. They can come out and see some some of the big stuff. And you know, another, obviously for us, another cog in our preparation for our ultimate, which is a, that opener against Gold Coast on August eighth. 
So, what's your plan to thwart that Tim Cahill fella? Um, he, he's not playing against us. He, he's um, he, he's not playing um, the last game, so he'll only be in those first two games. So, we'll be lucky enough not to not have to face him, which is disappointing for the Brisbane public. But um, he's a uh, you know he's going to be good for them this season. Obviously, he's um, you know after the World Cup, he's going to have another big year for Everton. Sure. Um, is there anyone else in that Everton contingent that you're particularly wary of taking on or, or looking forward to taking on? Um, I was looking forward to taking on Teta, um, you know, Saha, all these players. They got a very good side. You know, you can see, there's, you know, they've got some big players, but no real standouts. And you know, they obviously each year they battle hard and, and get results and always finish that top half of, of the ladder. Sure. Um, on to yourself. You, you spent the off season in the Chinese Super League. How was that experience? Yeah, spent last off season there. It was it was good. I uh, really enjoyed it. Hopefully, you know, I can spend uh, some time in Asia in the future. It's it's a it's a great place uh, to play football. You know, very competitive and and some good players. So if you can mix it up between A League and and Asia in the off season, it, it's 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 a quite a good option. Yeah, I mean, do, do you still harness that desire to move to Asia again, you know, perhaps on a more permanent basis? Yeah, if the opportunity arose, I'd definitely um, you know, be open to taking it. But at the moment, I've got another another year here at the Raw and really looking forward to it. Mm, sure, I mean, it's looking likely that a largely A-based, uh, A-League-based soccer team will do battle at the Asian Cup in January. Have you got one eye on playing a part there? Uh, of course, it's um, you know, a big opportunity for... For the A League players, if if they are asked upon, and you know, I'd like to to be a part of that. Um, it's a good opportunity, obviously. Uh, you know, to to play in a in a big competition, so uh, everyone put their hand up for sure. Back into the role, what expectations have you got for this Brisbane Raw side this season? How far do you think the team can go? It's it's a bit too early to tell, um, but from what we've done so far this season, um, in you know, the preparation we've done has been uh, impeccable and. Uh, we, you know, obviously we'll, we'll be there or thereabouts uh, from trials time, but we want to be in that six first and foremost, and then uh, from there, you know, we want to we, we want to win things, we want to progress, we want to play in Asia, and, all, and we've everyone's got those goals. Sure. So yeah, you haven't set yourself a specific target yet. It's just about making the finals and taking it from there. Oh, I guess that's the first step, isn't it? And then you know, obviously we want to finish, we want to win stuff. We, we don't want to just make finals as well. You know, we're very uh, competitive side. We've got we've got um, hefty goals we want to fulfil. So to do that, we've we've got to you know not just um, aim for those goals, but you know work hard um, through the pre-season and, and be ready uh, every every week of the season. So, what do you think would be classified as a good season for the Raw then? Uh, a good season would be to win a title. Excellent, Matt. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for chatting to the podcast today. No worries. In 1982, it was one little hand. In 66, a thin white line. One small man mesmerised the nation again in 86. Four years ago, a single tiny whistle pierced Aussie hearts. It only takes a touch. A fingertip between glory and defeat. With YouTube, tweet and SMS at the four customizable corners of your touchscreen, you'll have all the action at your fingertips with the Sony Ericsson Xperia X10 Mini. The world's biggest games. The world's smallest Android phone. The Xperia X10 Mini. Only from Sony Ericsson. It's time. Time to catch up with my world. Time to catch the final score. Time to read my team's tweets to see who's in. Time to see your social universe from one screen with time. Timescape, only on the new Xperia X10 from Sony Ericsson.
This is the 442 Insider, brought to you by Sony and Sony Ericsson, the only official technology providers of the 2010 FIFA World Cup. Uh, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. We just heard there from Brisbane Roar's Matt Mackay. Uh, in the final segment now, we're going to turn our eyes to this weekend. Uh, two games left in the World Cup, game 63 and game 64. Remember last when before we were previewing the World I got it Cup, wrong, didn't I? Got it wrong. I got it wrong. Sixty-four yeah. games, I know, including. I, I thought that while you were away in South Africa. I thought I hope he never brings that up again. Yep, I have. <laughs> <laughs> Stat, I got it wrong. Stat that. Definitely got it wrong. Um, Uruguay, Germany, third place playoff quickly. Doesn't uh, really matter, does it? It doesn't. No, but people people give it a hard time the third, fourth place playoff. But I don't it's care nice. about one Just more. Let him go home. I know. But I don't care about one more game to watch. It's normally in a good spirit and they all sort of, you know... Yeah, I think who it's a big game for is Miroslav Kloser. He wants that record, he? could he? score two goals in that quite easily. I'd hate him to pass Ronaldo because he's he could, one more to go with Muller, isn't it? And then another one to beat Ronaldo. Yeah, I think it's two. Ronaldo. Yeah. Um, I don't want him to get that record. I hope he doesn't score. I will be betting on him, though, however. Really? <laughs> yeah, he's a pretty solid bet. I, th- I think the Germans, being the Germans, will take that pretty seriously. Something. Yeah, I th- uh, and I think that would be right. I think the Germans would be... Worthy third place winners, Uruguay fourth. Mm. Um, then obviously the big one, Sunday night in uh, South Africa, very early Monday morning here for us. Um, history will be made. There will be an eighth winner of the World Cup. Which, which we've discussed in the past, which is exactly what we wanted. Yeah, it was a, yeah. a new winner. Yeah, new winner. Um, and again, you'd, probably, you'd say, I think we did talk about this before, when we highlighted Netherlands or Spain and said either of those would be a great country to win the World Cup for the first time. Yep. Both play the right sort of football. Um, so I guess in that regard, Trev, is this the final that we, we sort of wanted? Completely. I, you know, we're saying for our I would have been delighted if one of them was there in the final, and that that would be the team that I'd be supporting. Yeah. Um, so for both of them to be in there, it's really a final you can you can sit back and enjoy. And yeah, look, it'll be a good showcase of football. To um, to use a cliche, won't it? Like they'll be passing well. You know, they're not dirty sides. So yeah, I think it's exactly the exactly the final one. And it's it, they, they call these teams underachievers. Well, you know, they call the Netherlands. I think that's quite harsh when you look at population of the Netherlands and the fact that this is their third ever final they've obviously made two in the 70s um, but yeah I think that yeah it's the one we wanted yeah and how do you see the game going I knew you know finals can generally go one or two ways they'll either be a classic you'd, and you'd sort of say that this one neither of these two teams are really capable of going out and just shutting up shop that's not the way they play however you know they could potentially nullify each other, and we could see a lot of possession in areas that don't really matter. Yeah. Um, do you see it being a, a tight one nil like we saw this morning, or do you think that they'll cut loose and it could be a um, could be a classic one nil Spain? Really? Um, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm fairly sure that the Spain have just got that a little bit more quality. Um, like I say, you can't get the ball off them. Poyo and uh, PK at the back are hard to get past. There's just quality throughout. There's quality on the bench, and I, I think they'll do enough. I don't think they'll hammer them. Very important first goal because when Spain get in front, and I know we talk about them holding on and the never, yeah. but well, you know they'll have the ball for such long periods. They actually play like matadors, like teasing the ball. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? They don't play like heavyweight fight boxer, which is like right, one up, we're going to go and knock this game, we're going to kill it. Yeah. We're actually going to play with this lot we're going to tease them we're going to yeah. keep the ball we're going to, oh, show them the ball and then we'll take it away and, yeah. and I, I don't know I just think that, that that's okay but you know like again like today like when he took Villa off 
mm. and they were one nil up. And you just think it only takes one deflection or one fluke goal in the ninety minutes Netherlands to take love it to extra time. And but then they got Torres on. Yeah, but you know it's like it, it, it's still like the best player, you know, Spain's best player. And I mm. just think that they need, you know, I would hate. Yeah, if I was but if I was a Spain fan, I'd hate to see him going into the last ten minutes leading one nil. You know. Yeah. Um, the, th- the thing is about um, things about Spain is there's probably question marks over how they can recover from going a goal down yeah, because they yeah, couldn't yeah. do it against Switzerland because they pat you know really really deep and then like you say passing in areas that they can't do any damage and it was the same when they lost to the US in the Confederations Cup they, they went behind and they couldn't eventually you know overhaul them so first goal absolutely so I'll go as far to say whoever gets the first goal will win I just think that Spain really? be, yeah I think that Spain I'd like to see the Dutch get an early goal because I think that would set it up for a, yeah. for a classic final mm. um, some of the key battles on the pitch I mean you'd probably say um, Robin yeah against uh yeah, he's you know against Catavia um, and Ramos, the fullbacks. You'd probably say that the fullbacks they are probably Spain's weak link. I mean, Ramos, I think, is so overrated. Yeah, I really do. I think if he was played at any other club other than Real Madrid, and Real Madrid don't buy defenders, so I think he's spent so long in the Real Madrid first team because Real Madrid don't care about buying defenders. Yeah, and if he played for another team, I don't think he. He'd be that close to the national team. Like, yeah. He's okay going forward. I think he's an awful defender. Yeah, I, th- I think Robin is the key man because, like you say, the fullbacks aren't as good. I think Van Persie will get swallowed up by Pique and Poyo in the middle. And I yeah. think Javi Alonso could do a good job of taking Schneider out of the game. So they're going to have to look towards Robin, which, in fairness, isn't a bad player to look to because he's got to be probably he's the best winger. Though, isn't he? God. The faces watching, he does oh, when he gets injured. No. You just want to punch him, don't you? Oh, God. I could so, like. Felipe Melo, I could so like, relate to it. Yeah. Because I was like, if I'd just spent 90 minutes chasing him man, watching him throw himself around, I'd probably want to stamp on him as well. In his defence, he is very fragile. He oh. gets so many injuries. His whole career's been plagued by injuries. So I reckon that he just thinks if anyone comes near him... I reckon he's more like to injure himself, <laughs> flinging himself around like that. It's like, just stay on your feet, man. It's the facial expressions as well. Those are like he's getting tortured. Yeah. I know. Um, so I'm sure we'll see plenty of that. I, I think the, you know, the key for me is going to be um, can Van Bommel and Schneider in the midfield get hold of Iniesta and Xavi and stop that rhythm that they get going. Um, the, the first to stop them, weren't they, in a long while? Yeah, and obviously you've been interested to see how they approach it. De Jong is, is available again from suspension, so I'd imagine he comes straight back in because I can't see him playing Van der Vaart. Mm. Um, so I think they'll go three on three. Um, De Jong puts himself about a bit so I think they've got a chance they've mm. certainly got a chance and and the thing with the Dutch is unlike someone like Switzerland is that they're not just they're, they're not just negative players they can also play a bit as well if they do get the ball yeah um, do you know I've enjoyed this World Cup and I always didn't like Dirk Coit oh do you know why? Do you know why? Because I, like. I hated him for ages and I never saw what Liverpool fans saw. But do you know what? When you've got Schneider, Robin and Van Persie, you don't need someone doing what Schneider no, and Van Persie do. He just reminds me of those really annoying try-hard kids at school. Generally have Sloth asthma. From, uh, they generally have asthma. And they, they try and do everything properly, like textbook. Yeah. Like they always make the shape when you're passing, like to do it properly and that. Yeah, they've yeah. got Gary Lineker's skill book and they've yeah, been going yeah, through it. Exactly, but yeah, it's certainly effective. I think, I think as well. Obviously, a, 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 the key battle for the Dutch um, is can they contain Spain up front? 
Yeah. And then with that movement. They're so um, patient, Spain, aren't they? Yeah, like they just wait. They were wait. So, so, like when they came out at the beginning of the game, and you know, Germans are not known for, for looking nervous, but they look more nervous than the Spanish. The Spanish looked so assured. They didn't look like it was the start of the semi-final. And, you know, while the game's tied, they just think, at some point, we're going to pass our way through. I mean, today they ended up getting a goal from their big hoofing centre-back from a corner but normally they would just think alright we'll just keep going or pass them but I really hope Torres plays because he's the sort of player you want to see isn't it yeah um, I'm not, I don't know whether we will um, at some point I think we will I'm sure we'll see we'll... him at some point but uh, Van der Veel will come back for Holland which is uh, again another welcome return because Bularus is a, is a bit of a liability and I think David Veer would have turned him inside out but um but yeah, so that's uh, there's some of the key battles. Um, who do we think? I mean, you probably answered this with, with, with the question this morning, where you were saying that Spain looked at. Do you think that they'll? You know, it's another big step up to a final now. You know, World Cups big, much bigger than the Euros. Yeah. Do we see? You know, this is arguably the the final of the bottlers. You know. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I, I think that winning Euro winning the Euros sort of said to them that they can win and it gave them a winning mentality. The reason Italy and Germany and all that win all the time is because they've got a winning mentality. They're used to being in pressure situations and the Spanish had this sort of uh, monkey on their back for so long. And yeah, now they've gone and won a final and I think they're about to go and win another one. Quick stat rack question for you. <laughs> yeah. Which I, I don't know the answer to, but I'm just questioning. There's two things that are gonna that could be history here. Obviously Spain, if they win, will be the first World Cup winners to lose their opening game. Yes, yep. But I would question, has any team ever won every game in qualifying and every game at the World Cup? Because Holland will do that. Yeah, well, I think... They had a 100% record in qualifying and they won every game at this tournament. Weren't they the first team to do the 100% qualifying, though? I don't know. I think they might have been. So, I mean, that, I mean they're, they're on the verge of the perfect World Cup All going day. back three years. All the way through. Winning every single game. So, not, not in this World Cup period, not one team has has held them even to a draw, yep. which would be pretty phenomenal. That is yeah, pretty amazing. <laughs> and also the, the New Zealand stat will come true, won't they, if um, if Spain win? The New Zealand would be the only unbeaten team <laughs> yeah. at the World Cup, so it would be like the Scottish so in the 70s. All the Kiwis will be cheering, cheering for the Spanish. You'll have to hear that for so long, that stat, though. And every time you meet a Kiwi, you'll have to hear about that. All right, so we've talked about it. Neck on the line, or, or are we just going to go with Paul, what Paulie Octopus says? Yeah, well, there's talk of eating him now, isn't there? Really? Yeah, because apparently... Well, he's a big boy, he'd make a lot of calamari. I know, they were saying, I read a news portray, that the German fans were singing anti-octopus songs while no. they were losing. I don't even know what an anti-octopus song is. But yeah, there's a Facebook group campaigning to eat him, but I think he only does Germany games. Two legs, we've only got two legs. <laughs> yeah. um, so I don't know if he's going to... Surely he'll make it to the final. He's got no proven track record of predicting non-German games, has he? Let him roll, I say. Yeah. Put the boxes out, let's see what he comes up with. <laughs> we'll have our money ready to All see right. what he does. So, Paul aside, Trevor the editor, Yep. what are you saying? Um, I'm going to go 1-0 Spain. Um, I don't think it's going to be a classic. I don't think they'll get their goal to the second half. I think they'll get it midway through the second half. In fact, it'll be quite similar to today's game. Yeah. No matter how it's been, they've, they've you know, been playing, I'm not going to say grinding out 1-0 results, because I don't think that, that's a disservice to them, but they've been playing out 1-0 <coughs> yeah. victories you know, throughout this World Cup, and I, th- I think they're going to play another one. Dutch are going to need a slice of luck, and they're going to need to score first. Right. I think you're probably right, however, just for the sake of... 4-3, you're going to say. No, I'm going to go, 
I'm going to go two all into extra time. And I'm going to go Spain on penalties. Spain on penalties. Like, Holland will score an early goal. Spain will get it back to 2-1. Mm. And they'll sit back and they'll play. And then the Dutch will get a late goal to take it into extra time. Then they'll both get nervous as hell. Play out extra time. Spain will win on penalties. Mm. So I, I love penalties. I really enjoy them. But the one game I don't like them in is the World Cup final. So yeah, the one game look- I think should be settled by, you know... By the time it's How would finished, you set it then? Just keep playing. Keep playing? Yeah. What? Hours and hours on end until... You're like that Wimbledon match. <laughs> yeah. Three days later. Yeah. Someone makes People some... are collapsing from, yeah. from blowing their Vuvuzela for three days yeah. straight. No, so do, do you know what? I hear one of the... I can't remember where, where I heard this now. It might have been on uh, Sam Santo and Ed's programme. They're saying about doing the penalty shootout after 90 minutes and <laughs> then <laughs> playing extra time, <laughs> extra time. It. absolutely crazy isn't it I, I think it's fine as it is don't change it yeah there's nothing wrong Penalty with it shit. people know what it is if you yeah. can't score from 12 yards get some bottle yeah. bottlers um, alright one final question if you could have one yeah, Columbo. thing if you could have one <laughs> thing happen if you could have one thing happen in this World Cup final what would it be one thing happen yeah. in this World Cup final Oh, I don't know. No refereeing mistakes, because I think that's defined the World Cup. Yeah. I know that's not very interesting, but that's the first thing that's... Because you've sprung that on me. Yeah. That's the first thing I'll say. Okay. Five goals as well, I wouldn't mind that. Oh, yeah, that's two things. Yeah, loads of things. Um, what would well, you say? To your question, I thought, no, <laughs> I thought no, you had a really good no, one lined just, up. No, I just... Um, I'd like to see David Villa score a hat-trick. You, lo- yeah. you love him now, don't you? I love him. He's great. He's, He's one of my favourite players. I can't wait for... In fact, I might season. even get the Spain shirt on this weekend. I have yeah. one. Yeah. yeah? Yeah. Friends of Addy. Yeah. No, family live in Spain as well. Right? <laughs> oh, okay. My, my uncle and my little goddaughter. I don't know. In Spain who, for 20 years. I don't know who I'm going to support. I'll probably support a lot depending on who I bet on. Yeah. Which will be Spain at this, this minute. If he wasn't such a god awful time, I'd probably go and watch it somewhere. <laughs> like, yeah. Like a Spanish club or something. But Monday morning as Monday well. Monday morning, 4.30. I think it'll be at home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, that's, that's it. it. So, next week, we'll, we'll be back to dissect Spain's 1-0 win. Yep. And another well-researched A-League player interview, I reckon. Yeah. We're going to try and do a, a, a different player from a club. And then next week, week we will mm-hmm. be into A-League countdown. Three weeks and counting. Uh, we'll be able to talk about Sydney versus Everton. Yep. And preview the Festival of Football that's coming up. Um, and one last thing, guys, uh, for all the youngsters out there that are think they've got what it takes to be a professional footballer um nike are running the chance initiative which arsene wenger launched in south africa um which is your chance to head you've got about five days left to go and register on facebook get your fan page get your supporters voting for you with a chance to then be invited to a trial uh they're running nationwide trials in australia in october um so head to nikefootball.com and follow the uh, the links to the Australian page for the chance, and uh, get your profile uploaded. And obviously, we'll be following the uh, the initiative as it progresses. And four people, four players from Australia and New Zealand, will be heading to Europe uh, for a chance to get into the Nike Academy in the UK. So, uh, good luck with that. Get your profiles up there, and we'll uh, we'll see you next week. Four Four Two Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.